Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about how to write and produce a feature film when you've never been on set before with debut screenwriter Claire Harris and her film Zealous, which is out now. We talk about women in film and writing for men, being resourceful and the misadventures of producing a movie. I'm Giles Alderson, the producer of the horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, and I'm the director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness, which is out now everywhere it is on amazon prime if you've got amazon prime you can watch it for free if you don't know what it's about it's about the team who made the world of darkness which is a role-playing fan fiction eight million books sold company where people laugh all across the world dressed as the characters from these books vampire the masquerade bloodlines uh, redemption and hunter the reckoning It's the world that White Wolf had built for itself. It was unlike anything that anyone had ever seen, let alone played in the 90s. And people started to play it, and it became a phenomenon. It is now released to the masses. And you can see the rise and fall of that company in the dock. Andrew Rogers shot that for me. Uh, I made it with Kevin Lee, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So it's out now. Go click the link. It'll be in the show notes. If you want to watch that, why not? Support us. Let me know what you think. I'm also the director of The Dare and producer of Cassette. Both are in post right now. Today's podcast, we talk a lot about screenwriting. Wow, luckily for you, our lovely screenwriters out there, not only are you getting this cool podcast about screenwriting and producing, our friends at Raindance are giving you a unique opportunity to spend five evenings at the Script Coach Series. And you can get 20% off when booking with the code RDPODCAST20. That's right. As you know by now, if you listen to this podcast a lot, we have collaborated with Raindance. And we're giving you, our lovely listeners, 20% off certain courses. This time, it's for the screenwriters. If you're a screenwriter, you want to write your screenplay, you need to go to this course. And you get 20% off, so why wouldn't you? RD Podcast 20, the link is in the show notes. Get on it and get writing your film. And then it'll be one step closer to getting made. It's much better than just an idea in your head. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, why not? You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Obviously, you listen to this already. So why not go tell your friends if you like it and they're into filmmaking, directing, producing, screenwriting, editing, whatever it is. And, and if you think they will like this podcast, please go tell them. And if you like it, retweet it. Let me know. Um, And do your best to spread the word. That's all I can ask. That's all I can ask. Okay, indie film shout-outs time. I've got some lovely shout-outs for people this week. Thank you so much to those who supported us this week. So, obviously, some of you might know, might not know, I went to the Winter Ridge screening at Pinewood Studios and it was a brilliant experience. I hosted the Q&A, so that obviously made the Q&A very good. But the film itself, <laughs> the film itself was brilliant. I loved it. I thought Dom Lenoir, who directed it, did a brilliant job for a first-time director. It was, I, I think, for even if he isn't a first-time director, I thought it was a brilliant film. 
I really, really did. I thought the way he directed it was so well done. Really interesting. I thought performances were brilliant across the board, but Matt Hookings, and it's not because he's a mate now, but I actually thought he was fantastic in the role and I wouldn't hesitate to cast him. Uh, it's playing some more cinemas at the moment. It's got its cinema run right now. Go try and check that out if you've not already. Winter Ridge. Support indie film. Do it. Support these guys. They've been on the podcast. You can listen to them talk all about how they made that on episode 26. There it is. Go find it. Go listen to it. Go support. And speaking of indie films, Sync is out now. You can listen to last week's podcast with Mark Gillis if you haven't already. It is phenomenal. So much insight about making an indie drama. You really do need to listen to that and screenwriting as well. Uh, His film Sync is out in cinemas now and you can buy it now. Sync. If you have heard that podcast, you'll know that I said... Uh, this is how to make an indie drama. If you haven't made one for a ridiculously low budget, this is how to do it. Go watch that film now and support, support, support. Um, other shout-outs this week go to Sherman Brown, um, Weird With You, Connor Burrow, Alex Hardy, Parkhouse Pictures. Thank you all so much for supporting us this week and sending us really nice tweets and messages about last week's podcast. And also shout-out to another podcast. It is the Film Pro Productivity Podcast which is run by Carter Ferguson. And that is all about being inspired as a filmmaker and what to do if you're down in the dumps and you're struggling with maybe writing your film. Film Pro Productivity. It's brilliant. Shout out to you. Thank you, Carter, for your shout outs to us. And we're shouting out you back. Go find them on iTunes. Um, Life Changer is on at Toronto After Dark on the 16th at 9pm. So if you're in Toronto, you're going to the After Dark Film Festival, go see Life Changer, which is directed by Justin McConnell and produced by Avi Fedegree, and that's episode 76. They talk about making that and so much more insights about filmmaking. Right, let's get on to this week's podcast. So it is my delight to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast producer and screenwriter, Claire Harris. Hello, Claire. Hello, Giles. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So you've made this film called Zelos, which looks incredible. So we thought we'd just chat to you because this podcast is all about helping people get off their ass and make their first film or continue making films. And this was your first film. Am I correct? Yes, it was the first film for most people involved, actually. First feature. Which is which is incredible because it's so difficult to make films anyway. And if everyone, a lot of people on your crew are first timers, uh, it's incredible that the film looks as good as it does just because things can go wrong. You know, that's what it's like. I know everyone's obviously made other things. It did go wrong. Did they? Oh, of course. Of course they did. And we'll get to that. Let's get to that. So let's start with you. Let's start with your journey because you're not only a screenwriter, but you write novels. You've got a travel blog. Tell us about your journey and how you got to actually making this film in the first place. That's not quite accurate. I hope some that's accurate. I I have written novels. They have not been published. Okay. So So you write novels that aren't released yet. (laughs) I did write one novel about 15 years ago. Um. So I, I do write, yeah, I write prose, I write travel, um, and I write short stories as okay. well. Um, so yeah, I've written a lot of, yeah, travel, travel articles was one of my biggest, biggest things. So I'm actually not, I, my journey's quite unusual because I'm not really from the film world. Like I've never made short films either. I have worked in TV production for, mm-hmm. a, for a while. I basically, I went to film school, uh, over 10 years ago. Oh, okay. I went, nice. I went. 
tra- traveling for about 10 years yeah. and just sort of moved from one, drifted from one country to the next. <laughs> and then I came back to Australia um, a few years ago, not really knowing <laughs> what, what I was going to do next. Um, I ended up going back to film school and studying screenwriting, which was where I met the director. Okay. And she had made short films, but never a feature. And I, um, I polished the, the script and uh, then we just decided to make it, <laughs> which, which was in, in really incredible. It, probably it helped that I'd never made a film because in some ways. In others, it didn't at all. But I was incredibly naive about how hard that process is, how long it would take. And I was like, oh, okay, six months, that should do it. And you know that was that was over three years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me get this straight. So you went to film school ten years ago to study filmmaking in general. So yeah, that was my my undergraduate, my bachelor's degree. Was, okay. Uh, and what did you glean from that? What did because obviously then you went off traveling for ten years and didn't clearly, make films. Clearly not much. Right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so so you but you still had the zest for writing and sort of creating things. Yeah, I've always I've always written and my my ambition is really to be a writer and rather than the producing sort of happened by accident. Yeah. Um yeah, because, because no one else. Yeah, no, it's like yeah, we need no one else was foolish enough to do it. So I, I, I wanted to get the film made. Like once once you have a screenplay, if that screenplay doesn't become a film, then it, it doesn't really it's not like a novel, like it doesn't really exist on its own. And then it's all sort of gone to waste, I guess. So I, I really wanted to get it made. And I, I learned a huge amount um by making a lot of mistakes as a producer. Mm-hmm. Um but I my focus is writing. And so all of those years that I was traveling, I, I guess, like I've always been writing, but I wasn't particularly writing film. I, I didn't really know that I was going to come back to Australia and end up making film. So, so how did that happen then? How did you how did you go from traveling around to Sydney going, do you know what, I'm going to go back to film school and learn screenwriting? Uh, look, it didn't happen like that. Okay. Uh, most of what happened in my 20s was a series of accidents. <laughs> I think it all was for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. What our listeners would love to know is how you sort of went, okay, I'm now going to write a feature film. I know you, you met Joanne, the director, uh, yeah. back at the film school. How did the story come about? Because that's what's really interesting. How, how did you actually go, do you know what, this is a great story and I'm going to put pen to paper and make this into a screenplay? So I had written it as a short story right. um, a, a couple of years before. It was very different, um, but it was the same. Uh, it started off being the same, the same basic idea. And I, I landed in screenwriting class and our tutor, our teacher kind of took everyone aside and said, What's, what are you going to work on? And I was clutching at straws because I had, I had, none of this sounds, none of this is making me sound very good or very well intended. Like there was no plan. Okay. Yeah, well, that's good. So, Most people don't have a plan. They're just like, oh, I just want to write something. So that's good. And it'll, it'll put so, those people at ease to go, yes, I can do that too. So we needed a project. So we each needed a project that was going to be our feature film that right. we were working on, our screenplay that we were working on while we're, while we're studying as, as our main project Mm -hmm. and so this was the story I'd just I'd most recently written so um so that's what I pitched and it 
good. Well, it was actually the second thing I pitched. The first thing I pitched, he was like, oh, mm, sounds complicated. And then I was like, oh, I have this other thing. And he's like, yes, do that one. Great. What was the and complicated was... one? What was that? Just so we know. <laughs> too complicated. May someday be a novel. Right. Uh, it, was a historical, it was a historical drama. It was uh, <laughs> set in during the Vietnam War. Perfect. There you go. It was too ambitious. And it's like, well, how can we actually shoot that? And your teacher was right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was not right about many things, but right about that. And I, I, especially for a for a for a feature screenplay, and 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 I mean, this was once we st- I started writing it. Once I met um, met Joanne, it was a very achievable um, first screenplay, and it was very achievable for a film that we could actually make ourselves because it's it's almost a two hander. It's not, but it has sort of limited locations, and yeah. So basically, as a as a film that could be made, we could make ourselves. It was a yeah, it was a it was a feasible screenplay. Great. Um, so zealous for people who don't know, uh, it's from the Greek, which means zeal, ardor, uh, but also jealousy and possessiveness, which is a really great title. I think zealous is a fantastic title. Um, I do. Thank you. With- I've I've had a lot of. De- since then really? I, I really like yeah but ma- mostly because people assume that it's a science fiction movie and i'm not sure why but yeah. that does seem to be assumption okay but i think as soon as they see you're going to see the cover or the trailer it's very unlikely you're going to see it on its own the word zealous maybe but you, you look at any of the pictures and you go okay that's a cool drama that looks really interesting and especially when you say what it's from what zealous means you go that's really cool I think that's great. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I because re- I really liked the idea. So that so Zealous was the name of the short story, but the thing is okay. that in the short story it was explained, and this idea that there's one word that means in translates in English to both jealousy and zeal, um, because for the Greeks they weren't actually separate emotions; they were the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you show your passion for somebody was was defined by jealousy. So I liked the idea that um, these these two concepts that we have in English sort of actually, you know, bleed into each other, and if every couple has to decide where the line is between those two things. Because if there wasn't any jealousy in a relationship, that really wouldn't be healthy either. I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Absolutely, and I think it's really hard to come up with a strong name. I think when sometimes when you have the t- the title it changes your film you go that's the title and you can tell people proudly yeah. and and i think with yours you could do that and the same with some of mine and other times i've gone oh i'm not really sure about that title and titles are really hard because someone's already they written happen. it more yes. Than yes so finding something well, that's different is hard well and that's the thing because it also needs to be something that's going to come up in you know a in a in a google search or an mm. imdb search that doesn't have yeah that's going to stand out Yep. But also memorable. Yeah. Yeah. And people say to use the letter A a lot um, because it comes oh, up really? first in searches. Yeah. So oh, if you get selected for a festival, Zealous will be at the bottom of the list um, because it's a Z. Our distributor has a has a theory that yeah. Z is as good as A because he reckons people flick, <laughs> flick the list <laughs> the way around. Like I if like they're that. doing. Yeah. Uh, we're yet to find out he reckons for the digital release but we're yet to find out whether that's actually, that's the, actually case. the case yeah absolutely but no, no you're right i mean it's one or the other isn't it you might as well go 
You could have called it a zealous, um, but then <laughs> then you're proper cheating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's the same. With, totally doesn't doesn't matter. My name's good because it's Alderson, so I'm I was always first at school, which was sometimes good and sometimes bad, and it right. still works. Depending now. on what the picture. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. What you've got to do, you go at first. You go. Oh, if I'd gone last, I'd have I'd have copied everyone else and got it much better. <laughs> um, but you're leading the way as well, so there is that. Um, okay, so let's talk about what Zealous is about, and let's talk about how you wrote it. Um, Bernard, he's around 30. He has a successful career. Um, he's meticulously neat. He's got beachside apartment. Um, he just looks great. He adores his girlfriend and he's, they're about to move in together. And when she returns from overseas, Bernard's existence turns upside down because Sarah, his girlfriend, confesses a holiday romance. So to salvage the relationship, Sarah insists they equal the playing field. Bernard should sleep with another woman. Uh, this is a man who's never would never cheat. And he doesn't want to because he loves her. But uh, a compromise has to happen and it may ultimately destroy them because love becomes corroded by jealousy. That's not bad for an afterthought. (laughs) So you're not mad that I left? I'm happy you're back. Something happened in India. Everything alright on the home front? Did I even cross your mind? So how ridiculous can these questions be? I mean, can you say, have you ever eaten toast while looking at a dolphin? Who's your favourite dictator? Would you rather cheat or be cheated on? Why do you holiday? For adventure? To escape your everyday life? Because you love coming home. Barnyard, if you could just feel how little it means... So I screw someone else and we all live happily ever after. This must be the shabbiest I've ever seen you. I tried calling you last night. How is Charlie's wife? Read it out loud. I should never have read it. You said it was the best night of your life. You brought him into my house. What you're doing isn't the same thing at all. Well, that's too bad. You told me to. me do you still think about him because you're in my head every second it's it's interesting because the synopsis there is you kind of go oh cool that could be a quirky comedy but you look at the trailer and it's incredibly deep and meaningful and uh, and so much heart what was the tell us about how it started about writing it Oh, gosh. Mm. Uh, it involves alcohol. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I just, I just. <laughs> no, but it does. I mean, that's, only, that's when, only when I'm going through my Hemingway phase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've all been through one of those. Sure, that's, sure. That's it's honestly, it, it's been through so many iterations. It doesn't resemble the short story now. And it's a process of actually. After film school, I spent about another year and a half polishing the script, um, not just working on that, but on and off over that period. And during that time, it went through a lot of changes. I think you can endlessly probably, as a writer, you can probably end- continue changing something until your entire life. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you just have to. St- but then we also had a public script reading, which is really sort of what kicks the whole 
process off. Uh-huh. Okay. And that was, that was a, so I had about 50 or 60 people there and we had professional actors, some of whom ended up in the, as part of our cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really, really helpful process. I, I can't recommend that highly enough as a writer to, I mean, obviously you have to get to a certain point. So it's, you know, it's interesting to the audience and near polished, but just hearing, you know, immediately like what lands, what, how the audience reacts. And then we had like a big discussion at the end where they gave feedback. Um, Especially one of the things that I really struggled with the most was the ending. Right. No spoilers, but I wrote about seven different endings um, and which were very, very different from each other. And none of them were right. I could tell that none of them were right. And because we had that script reading, I ended up writing the ending, a new ending about, I think, the night before in panic, full-blown panic mode. <laughs> And that was the ending that we, is in the film. And all of the, everybody in the audience said that it was the right ending. And I like mentioned all the other endings. They're like, no, no. So that might've just been because they just watched it. But <laughs> like, you know, sometimes when you watch something, it's hard to imagine an ending another way, but mm. it seemed like, yeah, that, that was, that was really helpful. But then from there, you know, it was six months from there until we shot it. Okay. And we, this was too long for what was feasible, fast, you know, we shot it over really over a few weeks. And so we needed to get the script down to under 90 pages. Mm -hmm. So I think I had to slash about 20 pages, which was just to get it and to get it really lean and really tight, I guess, because we didn't have the resources. We can't shoot anything that, we're not going to use. And even from that, um, you know, there were scenes that got cut, yeah. which wasn't my, which wasn't, but that, I mean, that wasn't my decision. That was the director then, you know, as a writer, the film, unless you direct it, the film doesn't end up as the thing that you have in your head, which is not, not to say it's better or worse. It's just always it's different. And that's been a, a big learning curve. It's I guess, so true, isn't it? It's so true it's how, great. yeah, when you write it, you think it's going to look a certain way and then you see it on screen and it does and it doesn't. It's sometimes so much better and sometimes it's like, oh, I didn't imagine it like that. Um, when you're sat in your room and you had to sit and write this, is your process, do you, did you read any of the books? Did you follow their kind of hero's journey or were you very much like, Let's, let me just see what comes out? I tend to work with a combination. I, I, I do use Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. We did quite a lot of the theory at film school. Uh, so when I went back and did screenwriting, um, we did quite a lot of the theory. I mean, these they're all, I don't think you should take them as, you know, there are wonderful films that don't follow any of those rules. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's also a, quite a... Um, an American or maybe Anglo school of writing mm-hmm. um, because I think there's a lot of, for example, European cinema that doesn't follow those rules. But I think particularly for a first screenplay, I think it really helped me to have those rules. I kind of go back and forth between structure, like the overall structure and writing scenes. Right. Um like I don't do one first. I don't do a, a full like 
uh, vomit draft that doesn't have, like I've already had put some thought into structure, but I also don't just do full structure, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. You have your overarching structure, but then once you start writing scenes, then you have to go back, you know, a scene might change and then it might change everything, you know, then you have to go back to the structure. So I kind of, I'm a believer in index cards all over the walls and right. Yeah, because I'm a mixture. I've I've done vomit drafts and they've been dreadful. And then I've also yeah. sat and done full treatments, what's going to happen scene by scene. And I always find that's the best way to work um, sometimes because, yeah. because yeah. you already when you're writing it, you go, oh, okay, this is it. Now I can find the character and the, the dialogue. And yeah, things still change because someone says something that you've written and that changes something later. And you go, well, actually, that's much better. And I actually find now this the what I've been working on since I've found um, that, and I didn't do this for Zealots, but I have to write, my process is different because I'm working with producers now and I have to present a treatment. And so I write a treatment first and actually I find that, like I wish I'd done that with Zealots. <laughs> like I find that really, really helpful. Yes. Because then you flesh that out into like, what should happen in each scene and yeah mm, then you don't get lost i found i've got lost i've stopped writing some screenplays that I, I, I in the middle page 70 or whatever and i'm sort of going oh god i don't know where to go from here so i've let yeah, right. them i've just let them go um whereas other times like i say i just I was get the beginning middle and end full structure in between enough enough structure i don't go fully you know i don't do a scriptment where there's dialogue it's just a treatment. It's very much, okay, this is what happens. These are all the scenes. Yeah. Um, I really struggle with structure. So I mm-hmm. find, like, I find it easier to write scenes and to write, stru- to write structure, which is why it helps me <laughs> to write stru- make myself write structure first. Yes. Write the scenes first. But, yeah, no, interesting, isn't it, how we sit and sometimes you just have to force yourself to do it sometimes or, I don't know, did you ever find that or do you find that you really want to write Oh, I think it's always painful. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you said that. I Some people find it easy. I don't find it easy. Uh, I don't think so. It's, it's painful and editing's but the whole thing's painful and filmmaking's painful. I don't know. <laughs> it's all just different different kinds of pain. It is like, different kinds of pain. Like, when I was making when I was making like actually making the film, I was like, Oh god, I can't wait to go back to writing to have time, you know, to go back to writing. Wow. And then now I've gone back to writing, I'm like, This isn't any easier. This <laughs> is so just, true. They say it's like it's having a, a baby. Kind of the time it's so painful and so hard. It's not like having yeah. a baby, and but then, yeah. And then, you, like, yeah, you, oh, I've got to do it again. Yeah, because there's something, there's something amazing about filmmaking. There's that little thing that grabs you, that you, you've created something. And you personally have created this film that you've written it and you produced it. And there it is. That's an incredible feeling. And that little drop, that little pin is, is better than all the shit and the pain that you went through. It's like, yeah, I've got that. Yeah. You've achieved something that's there forever. No one can take that away from you. And I think I think that's what makes us keep doing it and keep holding on and going, I've got to go through this pain again and pretending it's not pain <laughs> and pretending it's yeah, wonderful. <laughs> I love yeah. filmmaking and it's so hard. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about how you actually got the film made then. 
as the producer, okay. al- along with your um, wonderful director, Joanne Brecken. You said from when you finished the screenplay, it took six months till you were on set. Talk us through that process. Oh, um, I didn't see my friends or family for six months, as I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you know that feeling. Uh-huh. Uh, some of that was over Christmas, um, and I definitely did not was not. I may have been physically present, but on my computer at Christmas dinner because um, we shot in a ja- on, uh, in January. Ah. So, yeah, it was hectic. It was extremely hectic. I think we decided to just set ourselves a deadline and make sure we met that. I, I think that really helped to mm. have to just have a deadline and make that work. But there was a lot of panic. I mean, you know, a couple of months before that, uh, we didn't still didn't have a lead actor. Um, and then because it's a small, uh, production and because it just started off with the two of us as the crew for, for quite a while, um, you know, we were kind of doing everything ourselves. So, you know, looking for locations, trawling through showreels to try and find our cast, uh, finding other crew costumes, you know. Yes. Did you have some funding or did you manage to raise some private finance? When we did the shoot, we sort of started with what we could get together. Okay. Um, so we founded a production company and then we, yeah, we used our own funding. Wow. And okay. then the idea was to throw sort of everything we had at the shoot and then figure out the next steps. And the next steps uh, from shoot to finishing the film took a year and a half. So it was a much longer process. Mm. And that was because at every stage um, I was um, getting financing for the next stage. So it was a mixture of loans and private investment and um, some government funding as well. Wow. Congratulations. But that was, yeah, it was it's tough. very, very long. And it's a, that's a really frustrating process. It's, the, the shoot, I thought that the shoot would be the hardest part and it was really hard, but it was actually the easiest part because mm-hmm. the shoot, you at least have things under your control to some extent. Some extent. They, often, yeah. they often aren't in your control. <laughs> things yeah. happen, but you can still kind of make it, make it, you know, you can finish it. Um, but the rest of it was so it's, you know, I was still working on it often full time around another job, um, and it's incredibly frustrating because so much of that work is, is, um, unsa- you know, the film itself has kind of stalled, mm. <laughs> uh, like nothing, the film itself isn't moving forward, but I'm still working around the clock to try and get the next amount of money we need to move the film to the next stage, mm. um. So yeah, I never anticipate. I'm told that that's quite fast, but I never, I certainly never anticipated it would take that long. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's it's very common that films take that long to come out. Um, yeah, they. I think most of the ones I've worked on have taken that long, some longer. Oh, it's it, a year and a half sounds pretty decent actually. Um, sure. But considering you were doing everything yourselves, yeah, I think that's an amazing achievement. I think it's really impressive. Um, Really, these tend to be sort of privately financed, or it's, I don't know how it works. Yeah, days. it's uh, one was Kickstarter, um, which we oh, yeah, we, we funded, that. yeah, we did through through that, and then the others have been private investors. And just I think 
the same once you've done a couple it does a tiny bit get easier when you're speaking to investors at least they know you've completed feature films and then they have come out but yeah it's still it's always a constant battle there's there's no question it doesn't stop um when you were on set then for the first time and you you you'd built up your um, really amazing cast and by the looks of it amazing crew how was that first day on set for you how did it feel Uh, um, it was a, it was a pretty, I mean, I was exhausted. So, and you just, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know, you're just operating on pure adrenaline, basically Mm. going long days and only sleeping, you know, four or five hours a night. But also it was a very, it was a very strange, uh, I mean, I was, it kind of helped. I felt like it helped me to be producer and get into sort of logistics mode um, and kind of distance myself as the writer a little bit from what was happening around me because it was a very surreal to have other people over there <laughs> speaking my lines mm. um, and, you know, using as- drawing on <laughs> reliving aspects of my life and my relationships. And, um, and I don't know if it feels that way to be a director as well. I mean, it probably does, but in a way it was a little bit strange because I wasn't even like involved with the actors. I was just listening to it happening mm. behind me. <laughs> and, yeah. Which is yeah. a strange thing. Cause I've had my writer, Johnny Grant, I work with a lot as a screenwriter. He came on set of the dare with me and it, and it's very strange to listen to the lines. Yeah. We wrote it together to listen to those lines. And I'm there working on with the actors, with the lines. And yeah, I think that's, I, I can't, that can't be easy. Um, and the TV series I've just shot, the writers came on, well, one of them came on set with that. And hearing the lines out loud, I know that it was a struggle for him because in their head, or in his head in this case, he'd heard them in a certain way for so long you know yeah and then to hear someone else saying them and going oh that's not how i imagined it or that's not the beat but yet for me it works as a director i'm going but that works because that's the comedy that's what oh, well, yeah i mean there's yeah there's all of that too because you're not the director so mm. you, you're like oh, yes. why are they saying it like that <laughs> yeah but also sometimes because i would be so focused on um producing on, you know, producing yeah. like working out where the crew is going to park exactly. and then something like, i would hear a line behind me and i go that sounds really familiar what movie is that from and, <laughs> and then i realized it's from from my movie, from my movie. which is again a yeah. lovely feeling it's that weird out-of-body experience that these lines that you've it's a movie i wrote that line yeah yeah, yeah now it's in a movie forever um and that's great. Okay, so what what problems were there on set then as a producer, as a first-time producer who's not made anything? If you could tell us as many <laughs> or as little as you can, we'd love to hear. Um, <laughs> I probably don't want to go through all of them because it, it, it would be here many. for hours. Sure. But just, I mean, so uh, gosh, so, so many. <laughs> I mean, we were shooting, one of the main things was we were shooting in a, in a quite a small apartment um and three of our crew were actually living in the apartment because they lived far away so they were basically sleeping on set as well and um uh we got a knock from on the door from uh, I don't know how we I was surprised that we didn't have more complaints like I went and talked to all the neighbors 
And because we had night shoots that went all night where, um, you know, you're going to hear screaming arguments, but please don't call the police because. <laughs> yeah, because we're, it's we're acting. It's, yeah. it's a make-believe. That's a perfect way to cover up an actual murder that you're going to do, though, isn't it? And go around and knock on all your neighbor's doors. We're gonna, there's going to be screaming tonight. <laughs> we're just acting. That's such a good film idea. Yeah. I, I'm just going to make a note Make a note of that because that's a really good little little film. I'll give you a special thanks. Um, but he, yeah, he walked in the door and he was like, why are you pouring water through the bathroom floor? Mm. And I guess the shower or the toilet or something was leaking. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so that took that took some dealing with. And then no one, we couldn't use the bathroom after that. We had to send people like, down the road oh, to gosh. a and this yeah, was the public. flat that we were using most of the time. This was the yeah. We shot oh. Tenshi Street in Jeez. that in that flat. Right. Okay. So yeah, there are a lot of things like that. But I've I have since been on other film sets which have had like neighbours come and get you know yeah. scream and yeah. pull the cops and stuff. So we we didn't have any of that. Okay. Um. Gosh, I don't know what else. There was one day where I actually just forgot to feed the. Crew. <laughs> I forgot to feed the cast. It, no, I mean, I did feed, like, I got to set, we were off location, for, and I actually just forgot that they would need it. to be fed because we had catering mm. in the apartment. I was like, well, the, well, we'll be back at the apartment in five hours, and then uh, they're all hungry. I was like, oh, my oh, God, oh, go to Macca's. There's nothing worse than a hungry crew as well. Yeah. So, oh, wow. And I to Macca's on my, I have a scooter. Oh. And I was like, I'll just put 40 coffees in, in my <laughs> helmet case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, this is like, I didn't know, like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been yeah. driving. But I opened the helmet case. I'm like, guys, I've got you coffees. Oh, no. And it was just filled, just filled with coffee. Yeah, just dip dip your hand in. Or oh, everyone walk around, dip your hand in. It's the only way you're going to yeah. get this coffee now. Oh, my gosh, your helmet must Thanks. have been ruined. Oh no! I was wearing the helmet because I was. <laughs> oh, it's in the case. Right, yeah, okay. I was riding, and it was in the case. <laughs> I just had this image. Another... Carry on. <laughs> and there was another. Oh, oh gosh! So I, I had this amazing um, associate producer who is a lifesaver because there was one, one day I filled up my scooter with diesel as I was going to oh, set. Oh shit! I passed, like, oh no, what have I? And I called him, and he he was just like. Look, we're going to get you to set, and by the end of the shoot day, your scooter's going to be waiting for you outside. Don't worry. And I'm like, how? He said, don't worry. It will be done. And it was done. See, so they're he, brilliant so, producers. That's what you want. I love that. And, uh, and he was, you know, one day we didn't have enough extras turn up, uh-huh. and he, he was very resourceful. So we got on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> you just... <laughs> I quite right, and I think there are quite a few people. We got quite a, we got a few that way, wow, and I think what they were had they expecting. Most memorable. I remember, I remember one one, <laughs> one guy walked in and he thought he was going on a date. I guess oh and the lift doors open, the camera. <laughs> yeah, he said, um, and he was like, "This is the most, this is the best Tinder date I've ever had." Brilliant. I'm glad you asked. Well, imagine if there was a few others there. He might have actually done well. He might. I think two, 
two of them actually went off together. So. There you go. Magic. You made magic happen. <laughs> <laughs> what a great Tinder date. That's hilarious. I've never heard anyone do that before. How resourceful. Well, because you've got a whole pool of people with nothing to do on a Saturday night. They're just there. Mm-hmm. They're just waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so why not swipe right? Hey, what are you doing now? Do you want to come around? <laughs> You're doing right now. Yeah, and so, did anyone walk away did anyone go hang on hang on i'm not having this i was here for some sex and this is what i'm getting <laughs> no i think Good. they all i think they all stuck around i'm not sure because somebody else sorted out i just pointed them in the, the right, right direction, direction. I, like, love it. I love get that. the assistant over here <laughs> yes what a great way what a great way to do it really impressive really cool definitely were quite a lot of uh Quite a lot of misadventures. Yeah. Along well, what, I mean, that sounds like a, a real trial by fire, you know, sort of, I'm going to say experiment for you as a producer. Would you Would you want to do it again? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I can see why, like it's problem solving, right? Like Basically, I've done project yeah. management. Yeah. So I can see why. You get a kick out of, when you solve a problem, mm-hmm. then I can see how it, how it's satisfying to and to be the one responsible for bringing it all together. But no one no one looks at a film and thinks like, I wonder, you know, the, the crew parking really came together on that one. No one does. They nailed the equi- the equipment insurance. No. Wow. wow! Like they don't they don't realize that there's a there's a you <laughs> lying about it awake it's, at it, night. It's so true. Like, no one it does and that and all those little things that matter Correct. so much uh-huh. when you're on set no one's about the writer either no that's <laughs> true that's true this is a, this is a fail on both counts very true. But i'm really glad i'm really glad i did it because i learned it yeah as you say it was a trial by fire and mm. I, I knew nothing about how a film gets made so i learned like that um so now i know how a film gets made but i would do it again if it was a f- script that i wrote there you go see you've already turned the corner you've already said no never and then, then you literally go well maybe <laughs> it's it's the lure it's the lure of filmmaking it is um the baby thing again yeah we can't help it we can't help ourselves yeah so those little things on set that matter so much at the time like it's wearing the wrong cufflink or the hair's in the wrong place that matter so much or cups of cheese and then a lot of a lot of time thinking about our lead actor's facial hair yeah and actually, when no, you watch them, no one cares. Yeah, nobody, no one notices. I know. So, uh, I, do you, you produce your films as well as directing them uh, and writing them? Yeah, I have done. Though I've just also just produced. You're with a sucker for punishment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one of those, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. where well, I've just come on and just produced and not directed, written. I've just said, right, I'll produce this. And yeah, sucker for punishment. It's a, it's not a necessarily rewarding job. Um, necessarily though at the same time it can be you, you know like we say you can get so much out of it and learn from it yeah. but i can see how certain personality types would have a real knack for mm. yeah like as a project management, it's project like, management. Have a knack for... it's balancing people and yeah it's and leadership politics. yeah a lot of politics a lot a lot of politics arguments between that set of 
uh, crew members in this set and you just got to go you got to get in the middle of it and just go cool this is what we've got to do we've got to make the movie so that's this is how we're going to solve it i think it's solving mm-hmm. problems and as long as you're reasonably good at that you can produce as long as you're a nice person yeah. as well and you're not an asshole you can also produce so you mentioned there about obviously your lead actor uh, and and having issues with his hair and stuff but it, interestingly it was a lead actor and this is a very female orientated crew uh and film and yet your lead in the film is a male you wrote Mm -hmm. for a male part this is interesting i did tell us about this yes i didn't i and i didn't set out to write a male protagonist i actually the i actually um first the first draft was a more even two-hander so it was going to sort of shift perspectives back and forth between the the man and the woman Mm. um but it it didn't work as a story um, basically because it, it really is the guy's story because he's the one who's uh, confronted with this dilemma and he's the one who has to choose and she is forced into quite a passive situation, which is, I guess, her dilemma because she's usually the active person in the relationship. But story-wise, it didn't give her a lot to do. So I it didn't really – the story wasn't really working as a – so that's why it ended up shifting and becoming becoming his story. So I guess it wasn't that I thought, I'm going to write a man's story. Mm, it just, um, just went that way. And I, I yeah. definitely wanted it to be uh, – I wanted it to be those uh, gender – like sort of subverting traditional what we think of as traditional gender roles in terms of um, infidelity, although that's actually statistically it's not true, but, you know, we tend to think of it as the man cheating. Mm. Um, and I definitely wanted it to be the woman cheating because I wanted that dynamic to be kind of flipped on its head. Um, so, yeah, that's how that's how it became a... And man, sorry. There's also, you know, the whole thing of uh, like women are. Oh, hang on. <laughs> How am I going to put this? Um, that it's, yeah, it's kind of assumed that women should write female characters. I mean, I would like to write now, I'm more conscious of also lack of female representation in film. Mm-hmm. I wrote this a few years ago. Um, certainly my next screenplay has a female lead, um, Mm -hmm. because I, I am, yeah, I'm more aware of that and I, I would like to address that, but I would also like to be free to tell the stories that I want to tell. And this kind of assumption that women have to write female characters for female audiences, whereas men write characters for universal audiences Mm. is, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, sort of this un this this underlying assumption and it's also then it feeds into the way that the film is marketed like this film even though it hasn't male lead because we're female filmmakers has sort of i i've kind of seen it being and i don't know maybe it appeals to women more but i've sort of seen it being marketed towards female audiences in the screenings that it's had Whereas, you know, women watch men's films all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. 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 So I th- yeah. I think it raises, yeah, the fact that I've been asked th- about this quite a lot has raised some sort of interesting questions. Mm. And that I didn't really have to think much about. 
because I'd never made a film before and because I'd never worked and really worked in the film industry, I didn't think a lot about these things. And I didn't think a lot about what I, what's my responsibility as a female filmmaker as well. So That's really interesting. I'm not a female, so I don't understand that's, you know, coming from that side. But I do feel that everyone can write for everyone. There shouldn't be, you're a man, yeah. you can write for a man, you're a woman, you write for a woman. I think it's... It's what works for the story. It should be all about the story. And if the story is male-led, that's how it works. If it's female-led, that's how it works. Um, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we had a chat about that. And I'm glad you've been talking about it because I think it's really interesting. It is. when I, So when I look at the statistics, like in the last year um, of the percentage of films in Australia that have had a female lead, which is t- tiny, then I kind of feel guilty about yeah. <laughs> Like it is certainly something I am going to be more aware of going forward, I think. Mm. But at the same time, I still, like I wanted to tell this story. So yeah, so I did. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. You also had uh, quite a lot of female crew as well, which is, which is great. You know, uh, Emma Payne was your yeah. DP, you know, you had, uh, yeah. yeah, obviously your director as well with Joanne. So that's, that was interesting a lot of your crew female as well. Was that purposeful or was it just that, again, that's just how it worked out? It wasn't something we set out to do, but we we started with obviously the two of us and then Emma um, who'd worked with Joanne before. So I think that once um, when you start with sort of a core female crew, then I think it attracted more women, like women were excited to be, part of that or mm. and people we got a lot of our crew through referrals from other crew so it did yeah i think that's why it, it attracted women we also had some wonderful men yes. who worked with us particularly in the, in the once we got to the post-production side okay do you, um, do you yeah. think it makes a difference um when you're selling the film now when you're saying it's female driven and female led Yes, I do, because there's a lot of discussion about that in the film industry. Mm -hmm. But also, I think not as much as I expected it to, because there's actually quite a lot of film, because there is so much discussion about that, there's actually quite a lot of films, which is, you know, which is, there's nothing wrong with, like, this is good. But there's quite a few, in Australia at the moment, quite a few films that are um, pushing themselves as majority female crew or all female crew, right? So I think we've got to a point, point of a bit of fatigue uh, about yes. hearing, <laughs> yeah, about okay. about hearing about this, yeah. Um, but it's certainly still out of it's certainly still out of the norm, like out of the ordinary, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. Because um, there's one film that I produced, The Serial Killer's Guide to Life, and we we really tried to get fifty percent female and male crew and cast and we did just Mm -hmm. but it was really hard on the low budget when you're literally you know paying nothing and you're asking people to come and and it's really hard to find a female focused puller or a uh, you know it it just is um who wants to come and work on your film for that so you you're kind of setting yourself these um limitations but at the same time that can be amazing because you're going okay well we really want to push that we're doing that on purpose oh i'm a big believer in quotas like i think that the only way to i think we we should certainly have quotas in the film industry but i think the broader i mean this is a really longer a longer conversation and it's one that we're having in Australia. I don't know about elsewhere. Mm. I assume so. Yes. But the, there's there's a lot of the broader issues that are barriers to women um, 
in the film industry, which is one of the main ones being its um, incompatibility with having a family and women being primary caregivers and working long hours and there generally not being any sort of care, um, childcare offered on on sets, actually Mm. I think ever. So there's things that could be done which would make it easier as, as aside from quotas or as well as quotas or in order to fill quotas because quotas aren't going to help if there are other barriers restricting women from, you know, participating in the film industry. And there are things like that that um, could make the film industry more, I think, woman-friendly. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, let's just chat about your cast real quick. So name check them. It's nice on Ben Mortley, as we've mentioned. Uh, Shannon Ashlin is the other lead, if you like, uh, with Ben. They're the one who have they're in the relationship together. Ainsley McGlynn, uh, Lee Sully, Seaton K. Smith, uh, and Jenny Bryan. Or, um, da- who? Oh, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny Drynan. Jenny Dr- Drynan. Yeah, she's from Muriel's Wedding. I don't know ah. how well known that is. You know? is Matt? <laughs> yeah, the, totally, I know what it is. Muriel's mum. Yeah, you're terrible, Muriel. Brilliant. Still, still right. that line is just fantastic for me. Yeah. So, yeah, you had, I mean, you had a great cast. You had, it sounds like a great crew. I can't wait to see this film. It is out on October the 13th everywhere to buy and rent, I take it. Yeah. Internationally. Super. On iTunes, Amazon Prime, and the other one. <laughs> the other one. Um, yeah. It's getting well, late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wherever you get. Yeah, wherever you get. And this this film's won so many awards. Uh, 16 so far, I can see um, that it's won. Um, it's getting so much press. It's uh, the, uh, Obviously, the trailer will be in the show notes, so do check that out. I'll put a link to where you can get the movie as well. But um, I, I'm, I'm really proud of this movie. I'm proud you've come on the podcast to talk about it. Cause oh, Oh, thank you. Well, it's true. It's, it's just this is the yeah. kind of films that should be told, and they're really hard to get out there because it's a drama, and it is a personal drama in terms of the story and the emotion. Mm. And you could sort of go, okay, well, you you know, you can describe it on you know one hand, this is what happens, but actually, it's more than that. It's about the heart and the relationship and the way the the filmmakers have told the story, and that's why I think it's going to do so well here. Um, it's really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to what you're doing next. I can't wait. I take it the distribution side of this was reasonably simple through the festival process. I take it you took it to festivals, started doing well. No. Asking no? us simple about this process. Okay. Come on, you know that. Yeah, um, of course. No, it's it's all it's all. Um, I mean, yeah. Well, so we have a we have a domestic distributor. We don't have an international uh, sales agent yet. So yes, I mean, certainly um, that helps. <laughs> You're not doing it alone. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it's all you know, submitting to festivals and deciding which, which festivals to submit to because you know you can just end up spending a lot of money. Um, and also, you kind of need to represent the film at festivals as well yes, in order to, to win. be seen. Yeah, be seen. I've, it's to festivals where you're not going um, can make it kind of, it can just kind of slip between the cracks a bit. Yep. So you have to decide, you know, how how 
how much you're willing to spend on travel and how much time and Mm -hmm. what the return is for you and how understanding your boss is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we often put um, it in the budget now. So we'll put that section of traveling to festivals specifically in the budget. So therefore, in your hope, you don't spend it before then, because then you you can turn up at the festivals and you are more likely to win if you turn up. That's just fact. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, which is sad yeah and even just making connections at festivals yeah which is yeah big thing one of the biggest reasons for festivals is that yeah 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 great okay cool um this has been amazing claire thank you so much for your time really appreciate it so much for for having me pleasure um where can people follow you online and where can people follow the movie i'm on i'm on facebook as claire j harris writer and the movie is on Facebook as Zealous Movie. Um, so if you just look at it up, yeah, if you follow the the Facebook, we also have a website, zealousthemovie.com. Mm-hmm. I have a website, clairejharris.com. Uh, if you follow either of those or both of those, if you're keen, mm-hmm. um, then you'll get updates about where you can see it once it once it gets released. I am on Twitter, but I'm not very Twitter active. I will probably also Claire J. Harris writer. Okay. Um, I should know that on the top of my head. But basically I'm across everything as Claire J. Harris writer. Um, but I'm I'm not very Twitter active. I'm more Instagram active. Right. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, we're Twitter. we we get do a lot of pushes on Twitter. But what are you, what are you on? Okay, God, I'm glad you asked because I was about to say um, you can <laughs> you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter uh, on Facebook again at Filmmakers Podcast. Um, I am Giles Alderson on Twitter, and you can follow the Dare Movie there. You can follow Food for Thought, our documentary there um, on Twitter. Yes, that is us. And where can I see um, World of Darkness? World of Darkness is everywhere now. Just type World of Darkness into Amazon. It's free uh, in the UK at the moment on Amazon. Oh, if you've got Amazon Prime, you're paying for that anyway. So it's like Netflix. So it's on there at the moment on Amazon Prime. World of Darkness, the documentary. Um, All right. Yeah. Check it out. Perfect. I like that. So yeah, honestly, Claire, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. If you've enjoyed listening to this, please like, share, and subscribe to us, mainly on iTunes, because that's where most of our love goes. And if you have any questions you want reading out on the show about filmmaking, if you have any screenings or fundraisers let us know and we will shout about it on the podcast thank you for listening thank you for your time next show is out on tuesday as always claire thank you very much thank you and remember zealous is out october the 13th i'll say that again because i went 13th october the 13th all the links all the links (laughs) all the links will be in the show notes uh and you can watch this amazing film cool right till next time thank you so much take care this was a podcast from the pod fix network you can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com